Yes, a little bit loud. Got it. Well, welcome, and as Cody said, um, I'm not going to, I'm just going to let his prayer stand for our prayer to uh, to begin our time today. Um, I appreciate that, brother, and I, I would I would covet your prayers, and uh, may the Lord be merciful and gracious to me today, and that the words I speak will be his words. Um, so if we have any guests, one thing I failed to mention uh, earlier is just we do have connect cards in the chair and back of the chair in front of you. So if you are a guest, we'd love for you to fill that out. It would just be a way for us to be able to connect back to you. If you have any prayer requests, we'd love to know so that we can be praying for you and reach out. And, of course, if you'd like more information um, about who we are, we, we'd love to be able to talk with you about that as well. Um, <clears throat> so because this was kind of a last-minute thing, and, and for anybody that may not know me, you may be wondering why do we have to see this guy three times because we've also got communion coming up. Uh, just, um, I'm an elder here at the church, along with uh, Brother Varney Wilson, uh, Brother Alvin Walton, who's outside, and Brother Scott Carpenter, and then, of course, uh, Bobby, who is our lead pastor. So, um, you know, that means nothing except that I need to be a really good servant. <laughs> so hopefully today I will serve you well and serve the Lord well in this message. But our text for today is going to come from Psalms 1, 1 through 6. So the version that you're going to have on the screen uh, is the uh, Holman Christian Standard. So it, it may be a little bit different depending on your translation. But, but this is what it says. So the way of the righteous in the end of the ungodly. Blessed is the man whose walk who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits on the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So there's a lot packed into that, so we're going to talk about that today. So we can go ahead and go to the first slide. It's got the, uh, so we talk about this, the two paths. Now, what we'll see when we bring up the scripture, you're going to see the, the primary text in the middle. Off to the right is going to be the message version because that's, that's going to help inform a little bit um, some of that common thought that I think will impact some of this. So I've got that message version beside it. Hopefully you can see it well. So the two paths. And so the paths are the righteous or the wicked. Like I said earlier, there's no gray area when it comes to being an obedient disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. You're either walking in obedience or disobedience, or you're not even part of his kingdom. There is no in-between. So we're going to look at today this sort of difference in what it looks like to walk as the righteous. So, um, again, Lord willing, uh, everything will come, come through fine. I threw this together pretty quickly today, so... All right, so what is the first thing that we see when we look at this passage of Scripture? So we're going to see that, one, we can go ahead and go to the next screen um, since we didn't read through that. But the, and the message will be up there. Go ahead and go to the next screen. All right, boom, there we go. So the message version is what's in yellow underneath, okay? All right, so number one, what are we going to do? Well, we need to surround ourselves with a council of fellow believers, not wicked and ungodly people. Now that may, you know, that may seem pretty, pretty common sense, but you have to think about the world that we live in, and you have to think about 
the nature of what it means to, to live, to work, to interact, um, and even to build connections and sometimes friendships with people who may not know Jesus. We are not called to be so insular that we don't have, um, you know, connections with people who don't yet know Jesus. That's how we hopefully will bring them into a desire to have a saving knowledge. However, we have to be careful of the influence that people who don't know Jesus Christ or may even be walking in disobedience and unfaithfulness to Christ may have on us. Uh, if, if, you, if you ever do any like personal development, which is a, a secular term for things, but one thing I've always remembered that I've learned is that they say you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I want you to kind of think about your circle, you know, just outside of your family, let's say. The friendships you have, the people that you allow to speak into your life. I want you to think about those people and does the life they live reflect the life that you want to live and that you need to live to be an obedient follower of Christ? Because influence happens very, very slowly if we're not careful. There's a song that was done many years ago by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. And that is how Satan and the principalities and powers of the world actually draw us away from the heart of Christ. They don't, if, if they came up to us and said, hey, this is where I want you to go, we'd say, well, that's obviously not in accordance with what I profess. So that's not what the world does. It's a slow fade. You know, people who don't know Christ or are walking in disobedience, you meet them, you have a common bond, a common connection because we're human. You start to spend time with them. You start to communicate with them. But if they don't hold beliefs that are faithful and obedient, how do you think that's going to start to affect the way that you perceive what's right and good? You know, wicked people can be nice people. Wicked is not a term of how you necessarily act in your attitude towards people. Wickedness according to Scripture, right, and according to our relationship with God, is behavior mindsets, ideologies, beliefs that are antithetical or opposite of obedience to God and life in his kingdom. So you can be nice, but you can be wicked and deviant and person who's walking away from what the Lord wants. So for us to walk in righteousness, we need to surround ourselves with counsel. Who is speaking into your life when you have challenges, right? I want you to think about the world today. Think about, like, social media. Think about the messages that are given uh, by celebrities. Or just think about the ability to connect and reach into people's lives that all of us have because of social media. Do you know that sometimes the counsel that adults and teenagers get, it's wicked counsel because it's talking about, yeah, you need to do what makes you feel good. You need to do what you want to do. That is not only not good counsel, that's ungodly counsel for a believer. For a believer, the only counsel that matters is that which points us towards obedience in Jesus Christ. Okay? So blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. A couple other scriptures we can look at just to sort of highlight that. Ephesians 5, 1 through 12, this is what Paul says. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. 
But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person, which amounts to an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of God in Christ. See that no one deceives you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And as you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. And Peter writes these words in Second Peter three seventeen through eighteen. You therefore, he's speaking to the church. So this is it. You therefore, we therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you will you are not carried away by the error of unscrupulous people, and lose your own firm commitment, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then in the back in Ephesians and Ephesians four, eleven through fifteen, Paul gives us these words. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. You see, as as leaders, whether it's myself or any other elder or pastor, anybody who claims to be a minister of the gospel of God, you, you know, there's celebrity pastors, there's popular speakers, right? Be mindful of their ministry. Be mindful of what they communicate. What a communicator who is telling you they're preaching the word of God should be giving you is something that builds you up into the body. Something that helps you attain the unity of your faith with other believers. Something that provides knowledge of the Son of God that brings maturity so that as a result, we don't fall into ungodly counsel all right second point we don't pursue a path if the end result isn't centered on jesus christ so we have to make a lot of decisions each and every day sometimes if you're like me you can get decision fatigue you just get to the point where you don't want to make another decision right you don't even want to have to decide what you're going to wear if you're going to go back out in the evening all right decision fatigue we make them hundreds thousands of decisions every day And sometimes we make big decisions about where we're going to go, whether it's far off into the future or something even more short-term. But as believers, there is no part of our lives that is untouched by obedience to God. We don't get to separate out our relationship from some other aspect of our lives. Okay? Now, it's political season. This is not to be a political statement. It's just an example. It really bothers me when I see politicians standing up, claiming themselves to be somebody who knows Jesus Christ, 
And yet it seems like in their capacity as a politician, all they want to do is support and talk about and promote ungodly things. And I say to myself, and I don't care what political party, this is not about parties, this is about if you and I call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, there is nothing in no part of our lives that stands apart from our walk with him unless we're doing it in disobedience. If you're a business owner, if you're an employee, it doesn't matter. Every decision you make ought to be founded in the reality of who you are in Christ. Not to gain power, not to gain you know, money, not, not to gain anything should we ever deviate from the reality of obedience and what God calls. Don't allow ourselves to be taken by false promoters of Jesus Christ. And let's not become one ourselves. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Again, everything we do, the path we walk in this life until we take our last breath, ought to be laboring for the Lord wherever he has us going. Galatians 5, 16 through 25, you guys will recognize this. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Every path that we pursue should be centered on Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to number three. We don't think too highly of ourselves or the intellect or our intellect so that we don't risk thinking we know better than the Lord. That's, that's easy to fall into thinking we know better than the Lord sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes, maybe we don't like what the Lord might be saying to us. And we think, I think this is better, right? I've got greener grass, right? Here's the problem with thinking that we've got greener grass. We don't control the rain. So our grass is going to wither. Because if we're walking in unrighteousness, I don't think the Lord is going to bring the water. And if he does bring the water, we've got to be careful because if he's bringing the water and we're being unrighteous, that means he's leading us to a place where he's going to really show us who he is. And if you, if you ever read the, nation, the history of the nation of Israel, you don't want to provoke him to make it very, very obvious who's in charge. Because I guarantee you, the creation can never overturn the creator. There is no way. Second Peter 1, 3-9, Peter writes this, 
For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption corruption that is in the world on account of lust. So let's just stop there for a second. There's more, but let's just think about that. So if we're partakers of the divine nature... We've escaped the corruption. So the opposite of that is, we're in the middle of corruption if we haven't received the divine nature, right? There's no in-between. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they do not make you useless nor unproductive in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who lacks these qualities, we think we have something better in mind for ourselves. We lack these qualities, we are blind or short-sighted, having forgotten our purification from our former sins. And in Hebrews, we've been through this in the last, last couple of months, so Bobby going through Hebrews, but we'll just pull this verse out. Hebrews three fourteen through 15. For we have become partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our commitment firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. You know, when we hear God's voice, we feel his leading. And we harden our heart toward where he's leading us. That's us thinking we know better. That's us thinking that what God's wanting to lead us into is not right. Or maybe it's too tough. Maybe it sounded good to pledge our head to heaven, but when it comes time to walk the walk, we start thinking, maybe Jesus is not so great on your side. Maybe I was thinking I was going to, uh, you know, get all, all life easy, right? I, I was going to have easiness, easiness. You know, we, we can go back to that first, first verse that says, how blessed. We have to understand what blessing is according to the Lord. Blessing has no relevance to worldly circumstance, not according to the Lord. Let's never fall into the trap of thinking that the situation and circumstances of our lives reflect blessing or non-blessing based on worldly things. That's automatically, that's like shooting an arrow, and before I even let it go, I'm already off target, right? I'm already off target, and I'll never hit it right if that's my understanding. Number four, we delight or are thrilled, excited, by God's word and to be obedient to his ways. Now, we say, yeah, it's, it's great. It's easy sometimes to be joyful when we all get to come in here and sing together, right? It's, you know, music is a beautiful thing. God created music when it's not being perverted, right, to talk about things that are ungodly and trying to lead us into ungodly things. It's God's creation. And when it's done right, it's joyous, Okay. Sometimes we get out of these walls, we get into the muck and the daily grind of life, and sometimes we forget that none of that changes the reality of who God is and who we are in him and because of him. And so in the middle of those things, we should delight in the law or the ways of the Lord, right? We should meditate on them. Right? If we go to number five, we think about what does it mean to meditate. Well, 
I think of like chew on, right? You chew on something for a little bit. When we think about why do we chew food, right, other than try not to choke, <laughs> it's because we're trying to like get full flavor. We're trying to make sure that we can like take it in and use it well. And sometimes we have a habit as God's people of just being in a hurry to get through whatever time we're spending with the Lord, right? We're in a hurry to get to other things. If we do daily time in God's word, sometimes we're in such a hurry to get through because we've got the pressures of what, what are we going to, you know, I've got to either get to work or I've got to get to practice, right? Or I've got to get dinner on the table or I've got to do this, I've got to do this. I've got to do all these things in my life. You know, what we're doing is we're prioritizing other things above time to sit with God. So let's not always be in a hurry to get through our spirits. And and also, this goes back to everything spiritual, let's not fall into the trap of thinking that the time outside of our dedicated time of reading the word, being in prayer, the time outside of that is somehow not God's time. We ought to carry with us the awareness and the intentionality of mindfulness of the Lord in all things. We should be continuously, you know, chewing on scripture doesn't have to mean you got the word in front of you. It could be a verse that you read that day or a message you've heard or something that just sticks in your mind that's godly and you think about it, right? This is an active terminology. This is not passive. This is us being active and walking with the Lord and walking in steadfastness and trying to avoid walking in wickedness. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard, stand firm, be courageous, be strong. What better way to be on guard than to continuously be mindful of God's word rolling around in your head, right? Is God's word present enough so that if you find yourself getting frustrated at something, it stops you and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I got to back up here, right? Or do we just go on about our day like that part of our lives is separate from who we are in God? James, in James 1, 1 through 12 says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. You know, trials is a great way to figure out what's inside, you know? When you, go on, when you undergo a trial, a challenge, when you get squeezed, what's inside comes out. And sometimes, even as believers, if we're not mindful, what comes out is not really righteous, right? It can look more like wickedness. So it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what an orange looks like on the outside. I've had oranges that I thought were going to be super tasty. I took that first bite, and I couldn't get out of my mouth fast enough. It was not good. It's not about what we project on the outside. It's about when we get squeezed, when we go through trials, what's on the inside's coming out, brothers and sisters. And we need to try to do our best to be obedient so that when it comes out, it shows the people around us who are watching that trial just who Jesus Christ is. And we want to give them an accurate picture. <clears throat> Number six. We are continually manifesting the life of the indwelling spirit in all circumstances. 
So in the scripture it says, He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. Um, the, the message version, if you'll see, you're a tree planted in Eden. So what was Eden? It was that original garden that was lush with everything of God's nature, right? You know, there were two trees in the garden. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they were not to eat from. But there was a second tree, and that tree was called the tree of life. Now, what life do you think was pulsating in that tree? It was the life of God. I mean, that's why God said, hey, if they've eaten of this tree, they cannot eat of this tree. As fallen creation now, they cannot get a hold of my life. And he put them out of the garden. But while they're in the garden, all these trees were bearing fresh fruit because the water that it was receiving in the garden was the water of the life of God, right? Everything was lush, nothing withered. Now, again, we get back to this terminology. If your translation uses the term prosper, we have to be very careful about how we interpret prosper. Let's not reverse how we're going to interpret that. Let's not take our current understanding sometimes of prosperity and apply it to the meaning that was written thousands of years ago. That's why I like this message where it says, always in blossom. So prospering for the Lord has nothing to do with you know, how much money you have, how much stuff you have, how much influence you have. If we're going to prosper for the Lord, prospering for the Lord looks like being a tree that blossoms, that produces the fruit. The greatest people who um, are prospering for the Lord aren't the ones that can... I'm not saying that if you have these things, it's wrong, but I'm just saying it doesn't mean that you've got the big car, you know, the nice car, the big house, all the money, all the influence, the ability to write best-selling books. That's not what it means, though sometimes that may come. It means that those fruits of the Spirit are blossoming out of you. That is prospering according to the Lord and according to his righteousness. So now we got the righteous, but what about the wicked? Because the wicked are part of this scripture too. Pretty much the wicked is everything opposite of what we just talked about. That's wicked. But there's a few things that we're going to talk about real quick and then we'll almost be done. There's much rejoicing in the land when he says that. (laughs) All right, so we're going to read verses 4 through 6, and we'll just make a few notes. All right, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If we're going to walk in the way of the wicked, this is what it tells us. You know what chaff is? It's the part of the wheat that's not good for much of anything except feeding it to animals. Or it gets burned. All right? So if we're going to walk in the way of wickedness, we're useless. We're going to get cast off. We're going to get burned. All right? As much as this world today thinks in its humanistic nature that humans have the ability to have ultimate reality and ultimate understanding, that is so far off the mark. There will come a day when the creator of all things comes back, sets things right. And there's not going to be a chance at that moment to 
to make a choice to be one of the righteous. There will be a burning up. There will be a casting off. And this is going to happen to the wicked that don't know Jesus Christ. If we're a believer and we're walking in wickedness, our salvation's secure. I'm just not sure if, you're going to, if we're going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. How sad of a day may that be if the Lord says, yeah, you're part of my kingdom, but I can't say well done. You know, sometimes I think about that scripture that says, like, I've run the race. You know, I think part of that understanding is when we end our race, one of the greatest joys that we're going to be able to have is if we become present with the Lord and he looks at us with those eyes and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Another thing that happens with the wicked, we're going to miss out on eternal fellowship with God's family. You know, in the life of the church, if you're walking in wickedness, you run the risk of getting put out of fellowship because the fellowship should not allow the yeast to come in and mess up God's dough, right? We always want redemption and restoration, yet we know that there's teaching that says if somebody refuses to repent, we're going to put them out of fellowship. Why? Because Jesus Christ is serious about his bride. And he is serious about how his body represents who he is. Do we think that the Lord is going to stand for us to represent him in a way that is unbecoming of who he is? We have to think about what do we represent, who we represent. And if it's not according to the nature of Jesus Christ... We can, try to, we, we can try to cover it up any way we want, but the reality is it doesn't change the truth. It's not walking in obedience. And in the end, not only may we miss fellowship with our community here, our brothers and sisters, while we're here, but we may miss out on eternal fellowship with the family of God. And lastly, you know, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Without the Lord's oversight, there's no beneficial ending. If we're not allowing the Lord to lead our ways, because he knows our ways. If we're not allowing the Lord to lead our ways, no matter how good our trajectory looks while we're in the world, I mean, let's be real, ungodly people, we can look around and say, like, how does that person seem to have so much worldly success? How does that person seem to everything they touch turns to gold? You know? And you're thinking to yourself, why would, why would that person be able to attain all this stuff and have this ease of life? But the truth is, in an eternal sense, they won't have a beneficial ending. Their rewards may be completely received in the here and now. You see, as believers, we need to understand to be steadfast, to be wicked. Do we have an eternal perspective? Do we understand that what we're going after, what we're seeking after, what we're working towards, what we're persevering in, the race that we're running, is it a race that's founded on the principle of eternity? Because if we're missing eternity and what we're doing now, it's going to be a rude awakening. Because everything that we're doing here if it doesn't have an eternal significance to it, it is finite, and it will stop. Do you guys understand 
time has not always been time. There was a time before time. There will be a time after time. Time will stop. We are time bound. We can only exist within God's time. God stands outside of time. He was before. He was the alpha. You know, in the beginning, that means the is like a definite thing. Time began right there. But before the beginning, God was. Jesus was. The Spirit was. And when time ends, God will be. Jesus will be. The Spirit will be. And those of us who have walked in righteousness, who have accepted His Lordship, we will be. And we will see Him like He is. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But there are two ways, brothers and sisters. There's the way of the righteous, and there's the way of the wicked. We live in as much as I think it was Isaiah was saying it, we live in a perverse generation, a wicked and perverse generation. How much more so now is our generation, our time in history, wicked and perverse, ungodly, unholy, and it seeks to draw each and every one of us ever so slowly over to its side. It whispers, be my friend, be my friend, come hang out with me, it's okay. And the next thing you know, you were walking with the Lord, and now you're like, I don't know if I like this Jesus stuff so much. It's not as much fun. These people think I'm not nice because I'd say that Jesus is the ultimate authority, so maybe he's not. Maybe humans actually get to make the rules about what's good and right. We need to be mindful and careful of being drawn away by false doctrine, false ideology. If we're not walking continually with the Lord's word in our mind, that's a danger for each and every one of us. There have been godly men and women in our, in our history who have walked faithfully for many years, and because they allowed a little yeast to get into their lives, and they didn't try to remain steadfast, they succumb to the ultimate uh, consequence, and their ministries failed. You know, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love them still, and it doesn't mean that their salvation is not secure as long as it was true. But their presentation of Jesus Christ was marred. Now, all of us are imperfect. And so we're all going to, in some way, fall short, even as believers. But the difference is, are we going to recognize it? Do we have a desire to pursue Jesus as the end result of our path? These are some good questions for us to consider today. So that's really all we've got. So I'm going to pray for us. I hope you guys will consider, consider these words. So we're going to have our time of singing, and then we'll, um, we'll do communion, and we'll back up here for that in a minute. But let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I pray that the words that were spoken will, will glorify you, would point us to your truth, um, would work into our lives. Just may you be glorified in all things. May we continue to keep you the center of all that we do. May you be our desire in the morning when we rise and our desire in the evening when we go to sleep. I just ask that you would give us strength, 
Help us to walk in steadfastness of faith, to seek your righteousness through obedience at all times. Help us to be uh, willing to come alongside one another, not in judgment, but in love and a desire to help one another be righteous, Lord. I thank you for all that are here. I thank you for those who may hear these words. We just love you. We thank you that you cared so much that you came, that you gave your life, and that you ask us to walk according to your world and your kingdom. And these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.